0: If there was no Easter, there would be no victory. If there was no Easter, we would have no hope. You cannot discount the resurrection of Jesus or you lose everything. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. You may be seated right where you are. Go ahead and take a seat. We're going to do a little different this morning. We're going to have some time of praise and worship. We're going to have some time in the Word, back to some worship and back to the Word, and just let God speak to us. What a difference a year makes. Unbelievable, amen? You remember a year ago what it was like? All of a sudden we were shut down. All of a sudden we were sheltering at home, and for the first time in 30 some odd years of ministry, we were online instead of gathered together. And so as I look out over this property and See all of you out there, man, it is a blessing to be able to gather today and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Let's give him praise this morning. Now we don't just celebrate the resurrection of Jesus on Easter. We celebrate his resurrection power every day. But it was that Easter Sunday that brought hope to the world, that delivered on the promise that Jesus said, I have a future and a plan, a hope for you. And we get to experience that through what Jesus did for us on that Easter Sunday. If there was no Easter, there'd be no victory. If there was no Easter, we would have no hope. You cannot discount the resurrection of Jesus or you lose everything. And so today, as we go back and we look at that fact that he resurrected from the dead, bringing us victory over death and the grave, we have to first take a step back before we can even appreciate the resurrection we have to go back and look at the cross. You'll see right up here at the front, you'll see four crosses right up here at the very front of the stage. You may not be able to see those very well, but each cross will represent a different attitude that we see 2,000 years ago when Jesus went to the cross. And as we look at these attitudes, I want you to find your attitude. Because you see, all those attitudes we see back in Scripture we still see those same hard attitudes over 2,000 years later. If you have your Bibles, let's take a look. Go to Matthew chapter 27. We'll start in verse 11. As we look in the final hours, we'll discover that the cross of Christ is the most impactful, historic event in human history. It changed everything. Now, some people think it's just a religious story. Some people think it's just a new religion that came up with a new way. No, this is a historical fact that literally took place, one of the most documented historical events ever, and it changed all of human history. It changed my history, and I pray that today it'll change your history. In those days, right before the resurrection, there was the cross. Jesus would be crucified between two thieves. As we wake up in this story, right before we get to the cross, let's see how Jesus made it to the cross. Verse 11 says that Jesus was standing before the governor, before Pilate. There were a lot of politics being played in those days, just like in our days. It was no different. There were all kinds of sides that were chosen, a divided culture, a divided city, a divided people, just like the day and age in which we live. Politics were being worked against the Lord Jesus, the Jews considered him a heretic and wanted him out of the way. Well, they couldn't silence him. As a matter of fact, the crowds were growing bigger and bigger and so they decided to use politics to destroy the person of Jesus. Now, they didn't have the power to take a person's life, nor should they have even been considering it. So they appealed to Rome, the government that was reigning over Jerusalem, to do their dirty work. Pilate now is looking at this man that's been brought to him And he asked him, he said, they claim that you're a king. Are you king of the Jews? And Jesus said, it is as you say. While he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he didn't answer them. It's interesting, he did speak to Pilate, but he didn't answer those that were falsely accusing him. As they were standing there and trying to figure out what to do with this Jesus, uh, Pilate decided he would be the ultimate politician. Instead of him being responsible, instead of him making the tough call, he would let the people make a call. It was their custom at this season that Jews celebrated that they would release one Jewish prisoner. So Pilate, trying to work it to his advantage, gave him two extremes. He brought before them Jesus of Nazareth, who's just a rabbi, just a teacher, just an innocent man, And a guy named Barabbas. Barabbas was a murderer. He was a threat to Rome and he thought it would be easy that in this point he could wash his hands clean of the whole mess. As you go through the rest of the story you see that while he was sitting on the judgment seat, verse 19, his wife sent him a message saying, have nothing to do with this righteous man. For last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. There's a sign that people are experiencing a dead religion. What religion would call for the death of another person? And yet in their righteous judgment, so to speak, their self-righteous judgment, they want to see Jesus crucified. The governor said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they all cried out and said, give us Barabbas. As we look at that story, we're reminded that the same is true today. You, too, have a choice. You get to choose. Now, it may not be between Barabbas and Jesus. It may be between your own righteous works and the work of Christ on the cross. It may be between whether you're going to submit to him as Lord or whether you're going to continue to be the boss of your life. Everyone has a choice to make. They chose Barabbas. They allowed Jesus to be hung on a cross. Go to verse 22. Now we start to see the first attitude. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, crucify him, crucify him. And they kept shouting it all the more. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather a riot was starting, he took water and he washed his hands in front of the crowd. He said, I am innocent of this man's blood, see to that yourselves. And all the people said, his blood shall be on us and our children. So they released Barabbas for them, but after Jesus was scourged, he was handed over to be crucified. The very first attitude we see is what we see in the heart of Pilate. Pilate thought he could remain neutral to who Jesus was, non-committal. He stood in front of the whole crowd and said, listen, man, I want nothing to do with this guy. I'm not gonna be responsible. I'm just gonna live my own life. You do what you gotta do, I'm gonna do what I do. Maybe that's your attitude towards Jesus today. Maybe you came out to Easter because somebody invited you and you're playing nice, but I want you to understand Jesus brought you out here because he wants to show you his love, his forgiveness, and his grace. But you have a choice to make. It wasn't just the crowd that chose between Barabbas and Jesus, it was also Pilate. Pilate also thought he could play it neutral and he couldn't. If you've ever seen the movie The Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson, you may not realize that Mel Gibson is actually in the movie. He made a cameo appearance. And you say, well, I didn't see Mel Gibson in the movie. Yes, you did. When they were nailing Jesus to the cross, He inserted his hands to hold the spike and to drive in the nails. And he wanted to make a statement, not just to his crew, to the whole world. And he has publicly stated, I used my hands because I wanted to make that profession that I know it was my sin that crucified Christ. It was my uh, life, my life that had fallen short of the glory of God. And because of my sin, Jesus died. I nailed him to the cross. It wasn't the Romans. It was me. And what a great reminder to each and every one of us that we cannot wash our hands of the cross. That what we may look like jewelry to hang around our neck or we may hang up on the walls in our homes was actually God's judgment being poured out. Why? Because of my sin and because of yours. Because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Let me show you the second attitude quickly. Drop down to verse 32. Luke 23, verse 32. There were... Two others who were also being crucified that day, they were criminals. They should have been on a cross. They had done evil. They were now under the justice of Rome. Jesus, an innocent man, hung between the two. And when they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right, the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And the soldiers, they were casting lots dividing up his garments among themselves. Can you picture this? You can already see a thief on his right, another thief on his left, and Jesus hanging in the middle. But then can you see at the foot of the cross, the guards that were there that had nailed his hands to the tree, that had nailed his feet to that cross, who would shove a spear in his side, who had mocked him and had beaten him, are now at the foot of the cross gambling for his cloak, casting lots. It's the same as casting dice. And in that second attitude, the first attitude, we see those who would try to be noncommittal. In the second attitude, we see those who were gambling right there at the foot of the cross. They were so close and yet they were a thousand miles away. They had crucified thousands and thousands before Christ. And yet, at the foot of this cross where they now were, they knew he was an innocent man. They knew he had been framed. They knew they were doing the dirty work of the Jewish people of Jerusalem. And yet, instead of recognizing Jesus for who he was, they're playing games at the foot of the cross. There may be somebody listening in this very morning, whether you're sitting out here or in one of these homes back behind us. And as you listen to this message, you realize you're playing games with God. Oh, you may be showing up for Easter. You may have bought a brand new outfit. You may be looking pretty on the outside, but you're playing games on the inside, just like these soldiers that were at the foot of the cross. Don't gamble. Don't gamble with tomorrow. Nobody is guaranteed tomorrow. I remember when I had first uh, become a Christian back in Enid, Oklahoma, And I remember it wasn't just a few weeks later that the drug pen of our town, some of you have heard that story before, a guy named Ronnie Plato accepted Christ at the invitation of our pastor who stopped by his home. He was 16 years old, he had lots of money, he had lots of popularity because he was the drug pen of our high school, but he was empty. At the age of 16, Ronnie Plato on the front porch of his home gave his life to Jesus Christ. He'd be brought to children's camp. I was there as a counselor. The pastor put me in his life and said, hey, I want you to disciple Ronnie. We began to find out he needed a place to stay. I moved him in with my best friend, and a month later, I got a phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning. Ronnie Plato had been killed in a motorcycle wreck at the age of 16. It was a humbling, humbling life experience. But the one thing I walked away from, Ronnie had no clue that it would be a month or less that he would have to make a decision about who Jesus was in his life. It would have been very easy for Ronnie to say, you know, I can put that off. He could gamble with tomorrow. I'm young, I still can make a lot of money. When I get older, have kids, I can settle down and deal with Jesus then. But it would have been too late. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. No one is guaranteed tomorrow, so don't roll the dice. Decide today. Is Jesus who he declared and proved himself to be? or not. Those are the first two attitudes. Let's continue to listen in song, worship with our hearts, and we'll come back and look at another two attitudes in just a moment. All of us are born with a rebel's heart. All of us have to deal with the reality that that rebellion against a holy God would lead us to an eternal separation, not because God doesn't love us, not because God doesn't want to spend eternity with us, but because our rebel heart takes us away. Only God can change that heart let me take it to two other attitudes we see in the cross let's go over the attitude number three in verse 35 of Luke chapter 23 and the people stood by looking on the rulers were sneering at him saying he saved others let him save himself if this is the Christ of God if he is the chosen one let him prove it the soldiers also mocked him coming up to him offering him sour wine and saying if you're the king of the Jews and save yourself Now There was also an inscription written above him that said, This is the king of the Jews. As we watch in on this brutal event in history, we see there were those who tried to pretend that they had nothing to do with the cross. There were others who simply wanted to gamble and feel like they could just keep living life like they'd always live life. And then there were those full of religion, but full of bitterness and hate, who were there, the third attitude, they were mocking. Mocking Jesus as he hung on the cross. You're no king. If you were a king, you wouldn't, and they had this picture that a king was just somebody who sat on a throne and ruled over a city or a nation. What they didn't realize is, Jesus came to be king of our rebel hearts. That Jesus came to set us free from the penalty of our sin and to give us not only abundant life, but eternal life. They were all up in his face, cursing him, spitting into his face, jeering and mocking him. You say, well, I would never do that. That attitude doesn't fit me. I would never do that to Jesus. And yet, when we think that we don't need a king over our life, when we don't need Jesus to be our Lord, we're mocking him, maybe not with our lips, but with our life. You see, what you do reveals more about what you believe than what you declare. These people who were mocking him were people who declared great things for God with their lips, declared that they were God's chosen people. And yet here they were mocking the Son of God who had been sent by the Heavenly Father. Today, you might be mocking the Lord Jesus who died on the cross for your sins simply because you can say, Lord, you're not my king. I'm going to be king. What I want to do and how I want to do it, that's the way I'm going to live my life. And you are mocking him, not, just with, not with your lips maybe, but with your very life. That's the third attitude. Take a look at the fourth. Go down to verse 39. Then one of the criminals who was hanging there was hurling abuse at him and saying, Are you not the Christ? Then save yourself and save us. Now you see a selfish heart. A rebel heart, yes. A criminal who also was jeering and mocking Jesus. Also denying who he was. And so the fourth attitude that we see in this criminal is rejecting who Jesus is. Not understanding why he died. Not understanding that Jesus was innocent, hanging on a cross, but taking my guilt in my place. Here we find a criminal that, man, if you got something good for me, Jesus, if you can save me, from this and do it right now and then maybe I'll give you a shot. A selfish, rebellious heart. One that would reject the very Jesus who was right there beside him. Today, what do you do with Jesus? Do you file him away in your mind as just a historical figure? A good man, a good teacher, a good prophet who taught us great things? Do you just look at a cross and just see it for the symbol that we've seen every day we wake up and see all around us, or do you see your sin? Do you see your need? This criminal, so hardened, so rebellious, so darkened in his heart, couldn't see Jesus for who he was. Pilate missed it, the soldiers missed it, the crowds, missed it the religious people of Jerusalem missed what had been prophesied through many of the prophets and for generations they missed it and now a guilty man hanging on his cross also misses it I want to pray for you and then we're going to worship for just a moment would you just bow your heads with me and would you just pray for just a moment and before we continue on looking into Scripture seeing what Jesus did for our sins Let's take a look at Jesus through our own eyes. Maybe like the song you heard before, maybe you need to confess a rebellious heart. Maybe you need to say, Lord, I've been religious, but I don't have a relationship with you. Maybe you've tried to wash your hands of it and say, man, I grew up around Christianity. I know the stories. I can answer the Sunday school questions, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Lord, today change that. Lord, take our rebel hearts and make them like yours. God, give us a new heart. For those who know you, Lord, today, may we celebrate you. For those who don't, open the eyes of their heart that they might see their need for a Savior. And God, may we celebrate all together and continue to worship you in this moment. For I ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, the wonderful cross made it possible for the overwhelming resurrection. This morning, we've looked at four attitudes of the cross, but that's not the last attitude. There's one more I want you to see. Take a look at it, verses 40 through 43. But there was another criminal. The other criminal on the other side answered, rebuking him, and said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly. For we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying this, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You see, here's the fifth attitude. Attitude that will change everything in your life and all of eternity. It's a realization that you don't have to reject what Christ did. You don't have to gamble with tomorrow. You can have a blessed assurance and know that you have peace with God. A lot of these attitudes, pretty hard in the heart. But then there was one who confessed his rebel heart. There was one who confessed, I need a king. Jesus, when you enter your kingdom, remember me. He connected with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Have you ever recognized your need for a king? Has there been a time in your life where instead of gambling with tomorrow, you said, Lord, I'm going to nail it down today. Lord, I want to be right with you through what you did for me on that wonderful cross. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 43. What he said to this criminal, he could say to your rebel heart this very moment. He said to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. There's a story told, a true story. Guy named Herbie who had all of his life tried to earn his daddy's love. He grew up in a broken home. His dad, a workaholic, lost his family, lost his son, and they were a divided family. And over the years, as Herbie grew older, he wanted to get the attention of his daddy, and so he thought, if I could just be like my dad, maybe my dad would give me the attention I desire. His dad was an accomplished baseball player, played in college, and played a little bit in the major leagues, down in the minor leagues, if you will. And he so desired to get his daddy's attention, even though he was a terrible athlete, He did everything he could, went out for every baseball team, every baseball camp, just so he could get good enough to get his daddy's attention. When he was older, he was at a camp his dad had paid for and sent him to. They were playing their round-robin tournaments, and, and, and he told his dad, Dad, our team made it all the way to the championship. Would you please come and watch us play? His dad never showed up for his games. His dad was always too busy, but this year was different. That championship game, he looked up in the bleachers and he saw for the first time in a long time, he saw his daddy watching on. Problem was, Herbie wasn't good enough to start in the game. He went running over to his coach and he said, Coach, my dad is here. He's never seen me play ball. Can you put me in just for one inning? The coach, who was a Christian coach, this was a Christian camp, told him, You know, he said, Herbie, what we'll do, we'll work real hard and if we can get ahead, I'll get you in the game later in the game. Go sit down. Herbie went and he sat down on the bench and he prayed harder than he'd ever prayed. Lord, give us a lead. Lord, get me in this game. Let my daddy see me play ball just one time. Well, inning after inning after inning, they scratched and they clawed and they fought back and forth. They never had the lead. After three or four innings, he'd go run into the coach. Coach, can I get in? Coach, can I get in? Herbie, go sit down. Finally, it got to the ninth inning. It almost sounds like a story too good to be true. Documented true story. They were down by several runs, two outs. Their number one hitter was stepping into the box. That if he would clear the bases, they would win the game by one run. Herbie went running over the coach, just begging him. He understood this was the last at bat. He said, Coach, I'm begging you, Coach, please, please, please. Just one time, just trust me, i got to play in front of my dad. Something happened in the coach's heart at that moment, and he realized that life was bigger than a game and bigger than a championship. The Holy Spirit just kind of broke his heart, and he told his number one batter to go sit down, and he put Herbie in the game. Nobody could believe what they were seeing. Everybody on the team was ticked off and throwing their helmets down on the ground, their gloves over on the bench. Game was over. He was putting Herbie in, and Herbie was the worst batter on the team. Herbie stepped up to the plate. He tried to look like the real deal. You've probably seen it, where you kick the dirt, you get down, you spit in your hands, you rub the dirt on, you put it on your jersey to make it look like you've been in the game. And he was gonna be the hero for his daddy and for his team. He stepped in to the plate He put the bat up over his shoulder. The pitcher wound up, threw in the first strike straight down the middle. Herbie closed his eyes, and the ump yelled, Strike one! Everybody began to realize what was going on, even the opposite team. Coaches signaled out to the outfield and told their guys, Hey, come on in, come on in. It's Herbie. They all came in closer just so in case there was some kind of weird hit that maybe they'd be ready and they could shut the game down. Herbie stepped back up to the plate. Pitcher threw the second ball. Straight down the middle again. Herbie swung this time, but he missed. Strike two. He looked up in the stands. He could see his dad kind of shaking his head. Same thing he'd seen before. His son just wasn't very good. The pitcher began to go into his windup. Herbie's team was already packing the bats and all their gloves and all their equipment ready to go home. And as the pitcher threw that third pitch straight down the middle one more time, Herbie heard a sound he had never heard before. It was a crack of a bat connecting with the ball. And he hit it so well, so good, it was too good to be true. It was like all of time stopped. The ball went sailing over the pitcher's head. It went sailing into the outfield. And it went over the heads of the outfielders who had been drawn in. And you could watch the outfielders just stunned. Watch the ball travel all the way to the back fence. Herbie just stood there. He didn't know what to do. Coach is yelling, Herbie, run, Herbie, run. Herbie starts booking Chili, man, as fast as he could run, man. He's running. His dad's even standing up. His dad's yelling for him. Go, Herbie, go. Man, he's booking it around those bases. Outfielder finally gets all the way to the back wall, retrieves the ball, fumbles it a little bit. Herbie's already at second base. Outfielder takes that ball, throws it to the cutoff man. Cutoff man kind of drops it, fumbles it. He's now at third base, and the third base coach says, Go home, Herbie! Go home! Herbie, like chariots of fire, his hair is now blowing in the wind. Music, Soft music of victory is playing in the wind. His dad is jumping up and down and going notes, and they throw the ball to the catcher just as Herbie slides in, then the catcher tags Herbie right at home base. Right after Herbie, right after Herbie hit home plate. The umpire yells out, he's safe! And everybody goes nuts. Thank you for one over here. Herbie's aunt right over here. And and they all got juiced and excited and they're all celebrating and they're all lifting him up in the air and they're all having a great time. Until the catcher took the ball and threw it to first base. And when the first baseman caught the ball, the umpire yelled, He's out! And the hero became the scapegoat. Because you see when Herbie, in all of his excitement and all of his zeal, trying to be the hero, trying to earn the love of his daddy, trying to to be something special that day, missed first base by that much. Doesn't matter if you hit second base, third base. Even if you beat the tag at home, if you miss first base, you're out. Why did I tell you that story? There are a lot of people who showed up today trying to please a mama or a daddy, trying to please a spouse, trying to be nice to a friend who invited them. Oh, and you've been to church before, you've done Easter. Most of our nation wakes up spiritually for about half a day and give God a little bit of attention because it's Easter and we're supposed to. But if you've missed first base, it doesn't matter if it's by an inch or a country mile. When you take your last breath, that's it. And a holy God who loves you, a holy God who demonstrated that love on a cross, who said, I so love you, I'll send my only begotten Son. You just have to surrender to me as King. That loving God also is a just God. And the wages of our sin is death. And if we don't let Jesus pay that price we will and what a sad moment that will be in eternity when the holy god of all creation has to say you're out depart from me i never knew you the story continued on i think i read about it in reader's digest that coach years later was speaking at a huge fca event And after he was done sharing his story and presenting the gospel, he was down at the front as they often do at the end of an event and all the people were coming by and thanking him for his story and a young man walked up to him and said, Hey coach, do you remember me? He kind of looked at him and didn't recognize him. He'd coached hundreds and hundreds of players over the years. Had lots and lots of parents and family members in his life. And then the young man said, it's me coach, it's Herbie. Of course I remember you Herbie. There's never been anybody quite like you Herbie. How could I forget you? And they embraced and they hugged. And they kind of reflected back on that camp and he said, you remember when I missed first base? Yeah Herbie, I remember. You remember Herbie we lost the championship? Cause you, yeah, yeah I remember coach. But coach I want you to know something. I came to hear you speak tonight, and as you shared the gospel, I realized I never touched first base with God. For the first time, I came to realize my need that a religion couldn't fix it, that my own earthly father's love couldn't fill me up, but I needed a heavenly father. And, coach, I want you to know tonight I touched first base. Tonight, because of your testimony, I'm a child of God. Have you touched first base? Or do you just have a religion? Or are you gambling, thinking I got tomorrow? Let's touch first base. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Would you do that with me? Man, I don't know what's going on in your heart. I don't know which attitude, which one of these five crosses represent where you are today, but God does. And it's no surprise to Him. But maybe, maybe there are some folks today that need to get real. Not just do Easter, not just show up, but need to touch first base. You say, well... I'm just indifferent to Jesus. That in itself is a decision. That in itself is choosing. Pilate made his choice. He played to the crowd. He tried to be politically correct. He was empty, he missed it. The soldiers who gambled, maybe you're gambling. Those who mocked him and said, if you're really God, then why why am I dealing with this? You know why you're dealing with what's going on in your life? Because you live in a sin-torn world. Jesus didn't have to come, but He chose to come. He came to give us life abundantly and eternally. Do you have that life? The only way you can have it is what you see pictured here at the foot of the cross. A young man kneeling, submitting, surrendering, and saying, you're my king. If that's you, if you need to trust Christ, you've never done that. You've never received Christ as your lord and savior you just know about him in your head but you've never received him in your heart right where you are right now you could pray by humbling yourself just like that thief on the cross just like travis is doing right here at the front and say lord i'm a sinner just pray that to god lord i'm a sinner lord i see it now you died on a cross for my sin. Lord, today I turn from that sin. I turn to you as my Savior. Be my King. Be my Lord. The Bible says that if you would receive Him as a gift into your heart, you've now become a child of God. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels and visit pcbc.tv podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.